welcome to Hit for Six. It's Thursday, the 11th of March. It's, well, it's dark outside now. It's been a mixed day, but a sunshine, but a grey. Uh, I'm on my second Cobra. Uh, it's been quite a long day for me, not a good one at work. Um, but Michael, how are you? There's no cricket on over the last week. How have you been? Yeah, I've been all right. Uh, it's quite fortunate there's not been cricket on because for once I've been really busy. Like There's been loads of meetings and been quite busy at work. But um, today was nice. Went for a walk after work and walked like down to the South Bank through Westminster, back and around. Also pulled the trigger on a Surrey membership. So despite the fact that I really don't like Surrey, I have given them some more of my money after last year's fiasco, giving them my money with no return. I've given them some more of my money, so I'm going to watch lots of cricket because I'm only 10 minute walk from the ground. And I've got the Middlesex membership as well. So hopefully lots and lots and lots of cricket. You're, yeah, you're like... My dad, my dad's similar, MCC member, Surrey member, just more cricket, too much cricket. Uh, and, and I think the problem is, and we talk about popularity of cricket in London, whatever, but, you know, the different clubs come forward and say, well, look at all our members. And what they don't realise is most of them have got a bunch of people doubling up so that they can go to whichever ground whenever there's, there's cricket on. I just, I, I never want it to be that I'm bored and I don't have the option of going to watch cricket. That's what I, that's what I don't want this summer. I don't think I will be bored this summer. It's going to be quite fun. Well, yeah. I hope so. I feel we're overdue. I, I know I'm going to at least overdo it on one day where I just get too excited and do too many things. And, uh, and you have to lie down with a cold towel on your head or something. Yeah, well, that's slightly how I felt. It's a good segue into how I felt after England trounced India in the first test. <laughs> a humiliation of Virat Kohli's men <laughs> in Chennai. Uh, but, but after that, it was... And then the uh, series ended. Yeah. Well, nil. Like, amazing. Yeah, my I, I stopped paying my TV licence. So I didn't watch the rest of it. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> after that, the cold towels on the head for another reason as England succumbed to heavy defeats, followed by humiliation, followed by heavy defeats. That's how I'd, how I'd frame it. And uh, before the series started, we had uh, our good friend from Warwick University, Jamin Patel, with us to um, sort of discuss the series beforehand. And we've got him back again. Uh, and... So, Jamin, well, welcome. And your reactions. I'm, I'm trying to remember what we predicted. I think I said maybe, I think I said 3 1. I think I said 3 1. I think I did say 3 I said 3 0. I think I said 3 Yeah. Jamin um, famously said that the main issue of India would be there'd be, there'd be too many draws. Too, the I did. Too <laughs> <laughs> One of the worst calls of all time, yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, go on, Jamin. Um, how have you been since we last spoke? And what were your thoughts on the, the test series, kind of high, high level? Yeah, I've been well, thanks. Um, getting ready for the cricket season. I'm the treasurer of my cricket club, so a lot of admin going on at the moment to try and get everything ready. Um, I mean, it started in possibly the worst way it, it, it could have. And I was genuinely worried that Joe Root was just going to score double ton after double ton, having followed on from what he was doing in Sri Lanka. But um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have forgotten that the BCCI would get involved and <laughs> <laughs> and give their team some kind of help off the pitch. They weren't going to stand like that first test. They weren't going to stand for any more of that. Like, no, that was not happening again. No. Virat Kohli after the test, wasn't it? He just made a really clear how unhappy he was uh, that he couldn't control the game, that that he couldn't influence it because the pitch took it out of his control. That's what his message was. Yeah. After, I think. I think there is some kind of truth to that in that the first two days didn't seem difficult to bat on. And maybe that's just because Joe Root looked like he was so comfortable. But it certainly did seem like on the third day, it started to become a bit tougher. 
and that toss was crucially important. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, the, the big turning point was a selection point from India, which was the dropping of um, the only time I've ever seen him bowl, but he seemed to be the very mediocre Shabazz Nadim. And then in came Aksar Patel. And that made a big difference because when Root scored that wonderful double hundred in the first test, he was sweeping Washington Sundar and Nadim comfortably. He didn't sweep Ashwin quite so much. And then with Axel Patel, he found it very difficult to sweep and indeed got out to the sweep shot in that second test. And it felt like it was really, when Axel Patel arrived, granted the pictures were very helpful, but his quicker bowling, I mean, he bowls at sort of my pace, which is <laughs> humiliating really, but, uh, you know, we'll keep, particularly given he's not like some big stocky bloke, he's just some kind of scrawny, scrawny lad who, who pings it down at a, at a good rate. Um, also taller, got more back, and Root almost, he tried the sweep shot a bit and then he put it away. And without it, on big turning pitches against excellent spinners, he looked, you know, found wanting. I mean, the argument would go that pretty much every player in the history of cricket would probably be found wanting against those bowlers on those wickets. Um, but that for me was a big turning point, the removal of Nadim and bringing in Axar. I, I don't know if you agree. No, definitely agree. I, I think the intention was all, always for... Axar to play the first game, but he he had a knee injury, so yeah, he he was Nadim was sort of a a, a stop stopgap for 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 Axar. I think the other thing as well is he Root lost the sweep shot because of the speed Axar bowled at, but also the thing that Root did really well against Sri Lanka and then the first test against India is play on the back foot wherever possible because Root is very good on the back foot. He's got such quick hands and he can react and he's very comfortable there, but against Axel with the extra pace, suddenly he wasn't. And you could see it throughout the England batting lineup. The amount of batsmen that got caught kind of half back against Axel with that extra speed. And yeah, just it nullified Root. And just on your point, Jamin, about the first test and it seemed easy to bat on, whether that was just Joe Root. Well, Dom Sibley also batted pretty well on it, didn't he? And then yeah. struggled, seriously struggled for the rest of the test, mm-hmm. the rest of the series. I suppose the, the other big big theme one of the big other big themes that came out through it was the the England rotation policy so you know I, I don't think we can say although it does suit my and the, the Butler folks culture war team Butler over here the fact that Butler played one test and we won it and folks played three tests and we lost them um I mean obviously that's grossly unfair on Ben Ben folks it had nothing to do with it really but it did feel that that whole England rotation policy was a bit of a disaster to be frank, like the whole Moeen Ali debacle, they clearly wanted him to stay on, but it had been pre-agreed that he'd leave. Why was that? Well, he's not really necessarily going to be, um, you know, I, I, well, hard to say, really. It seems odd that he, he just had to leave midway through. Couldn't they keep him when he missed other games? The Butler, Butler folks swap, swap in. Bairstow goes home, spends two weeks walking on the Yorkshire Moors in a February lockdown, and then comes back into the heat of battle again. Why doesn't he stay for the duration? Or why doesn't he stay for the first two tests and then go home? All of that, it it didn't really make sense. And it led to England, you just felt a number of England players playing who were undercooked when that wasn't necessary. Like the limited over stuff, which we're going to talk about, is being prioritised. You know, Moeen gets the rest before he comes back for limited overs. Besto gets the rest before he comes back for limited overs. Butler, same situation. Everyone gets to go home for a bit so they can come back fresh for the limited overs and the test suffered. But yeah. I wonder whether it's uh, they were they're expecting bio bubbles and secure, well, secure bubbles to be a kind of long term thing, 
and you won't see the benefit of these kind of breaks from it until later on. But if that doesn't happen, then this just seems like a whole waste of time. But yeah, I think that could be a reason that they went with that. They've also got an absolutely mad schedule. Like they have, as a result of missing cricket last year and at the beginning of this year with the South Africa issues, they've got so much cricket to pack in in 2021. And I, 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 I'm not sure I'd call it a disaster, actually. I think I'd call it unfortunate and it maybe contributed a bit to us losing. I think we're going to lose anyway, to be honest. And I'm on the Butler folks thing. I am a folks fanatic till I die. But we missed Butler. We missed someone who could counter-attack. And folks' defence looked solid, but he didn't look suited to batting with the tail who weren't going to last long around him. Um, he kept beautifully, has to be said. He did keep really well. But then so did Butler in the first test. Um, but no, I don't. I wouldn't call it a disaster because I mean that's harsh on the, on the rotation policy, and I do think you'll see the benefits long term because I think bubbles are going to be here to stay for a while. In, interesting that you wouldn't call it a disaster. I mean, I do get accused from time to time, including at work, of using maybe slightly um, in, not, not incendiary language. That makes me sound like Piers Morgan. Hyperbolic. But, yeah, maybe a bit hyperbolic. You know, I. I passionate how I put my points across and I'm not afraid to use loaded adjectives to like emphasize my points. So disaster when framed against things that are actual disasters, like natural disasters and you know, kind of whatever else, like the care home policy during the first lockdown would be like an actual disaster. Sending a few cricketers home early is not a disaster, but I, but I do think it was a, like it really, didn't help England at all and can't be seen to have been a, a success in any way. And I think, you know, some of them for me didn't almost make sense. Like there's a lot of limited overs cricket to come before the World T20. Uh, wh- why does Joss Butler have to miss a few to then come back to play some T20s in India? Like it's fine. He can just play some later in the, later in the summer. Like it, it just felt. He's also about to play a lot of IPL. He's yeah. a lot of experience of playing T20s in India. Whereas someone like, exactly. and I guess Moe Nali is as well, but Moe Nali, I can see why more he, he would want to be there for the limited overs because his place for the World Cup isn't secure. Like his bowling in limited overs has gone down the toilet in the last year. Um, and so he needs to push his place home, whereas Butler's obviously always going to play for England and he's about to play a load of IPL cricket. So yeah, why does Butler need to definitely, definitely be in that T20 series? Other than the fact we want to win it. There's also a kind of feeling that they were resigned to losing the series and so could do these kind of rotations. Well, we're going to lose anyway, so why not not burn all our players now and save them for the bit that we're going to win? Which I don't know if that sends the right message to players outside of the squad and inside the squad. It's not great for Joe Root, is it, as captain? Well, that that's kind of the big underlying question. For so long, England have underachieved in limited overs cricket because... Test cricket was seen as a priority. We were hosting a World Cup at home, 2019, so we put a lot of backing behind that. We do happen to have, maybe it's coincidental, maybe it's not, but a, a real golden generation of limited overs players, Besto, Butler, Stokes, you know, Root himself, Archer, Hales. Like, there's so many great, Morgan, of course, great limited overs players. We backed the limited overs horse. We should have won the World T20 in 2016. We didn't, lost in the final. Um, I don't. I honestly think England could win every single major limited overs tournament for the next thirty years, and I still won't get over the fact we lost that final. Um, but that, <laughs> that's a side point. Um, we we won by hook or by crook, won that World Cup, and the, the sense was the argument was: Are oh, we now going to go back to focusing on Test cricket? Chris Silverwood's come in to focus on Test cricket, and 
it feels a bit like that's happened. But in a way, with this rotation stuff, it feels like who really runs the ECB is Owen Morgan. It is Owen Morgan. It, it, it does feel like that. And I, you look, look, if we win the World T20 and we have an all right summer, we beat India at home and stuff, and we lose the Ashes, like I'd say kind of fair enough because we probably were going to lose in India and we probably will lose in Australia in the winter. But we might win the World T20. And if we do, then I kind of see it all as worth it. But that part of me that says test cricket is more important is going absolutely mental right now because it's thinking we shouldn't be resting players to play a bilateral one day in 2020 series against India. What's what's India's policy on this? Like, how much do India prioritise test cricket over the limited over stuff? I'd be interested because I don't really know. I don't really hear any kind of narrative as to what... There doesn't seem to be a focus on any side of it. They just want to win everything if they can. Um, but that's that's a product of having the kind of depth and we're just larger pool of people to pick from that they're able to compete in more areas at the same time than maybe England can. I don't know. Should we should we talk a bit about before we go on to the limited over stuff? Because that's the way we're heading. Should we just talk a bit about individual performances? We've obviously mentioned Axel Patel's freakish performance across the free test, averaging ten with the ball, mm-hmm. having taken what like 150 first class wickets in his career before this, mainly just okay. playing IPL. But in terms of like standout performances. Let's start with India because they, they smashed it. Like Rishabh Pan, it's just he's so fun to watch. He he sort of when he first came into the squad, there was always the this guy can only he's he's a slogger. He's just going to go in and try and hit every ball. But I think he has. I think he was unfairly treated when he first came in, being a sort of twenty-one year old. I think when he made his debut, and clearly the experience of playing Test cricket on well I guess in Australia and then now here he's he's sort of matured and it seems a sort of a coming of age for him. He bats smart is the thing I think about him because I think his technique maybe you can see he's a hitter um and it's not like the most classical technique but he bats really smart and I guess that's from playing a lot of limited overs cricket. He the game situation management's really good. Like the way he took that test which was in almost in England's hands at one point in that fourth test and he just took it away from them batting sensibly as Anderson and Stokes were bowling well and then just taking the game away from us in half an hour that's a recent development I think in his game it hasn't hasn't always been the case it's not like he's had an innate kind of game management skill but he did it as well though didn't he yeah 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 no I, I really hated and enjoyed watching him at the same time like watching him scoop Anderson broke my heart a little bit but you know it's fair play and and then the other for me the other big standout um was um Rohit Sharma like you know that 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 innings in the second test was one of the best hundreds and one of the most important hundreds in the context of the game it was incredible I think he averaged he averages 80 in India which just puts to context how good he is at home and perhaps how bad he is away from home but, but yeah averaging 80 is Unbelievable, and the way he does it as well—it's just it, it makes for good watching. He punishes yeah. bad bowling. He doesn't. I mean, he's an unbelievable one-day player. I mean, yeah, no doubt about that already. But I, I like there's, there's some players. I feel it's why I still passionately believe Butler will kind of have an okay Test career when all said and done. So I always think if you're really good at cricket, like really good, we're talking like world class at cricket in one way. You should be able to play in all formats. I remember when, um, must be only a little while ago, about 10 years ago, when Australia were really struggling for opening batsmen. 
And I was watching the IPL, Delhi Daredevils, Verinda Saywag and David Warner opening the batting. And he's sitting there thinking, why isn't this guy opening the batting for Australia? Like, he looks good enough. He's hitting cover drives in the IPL. Like, I'm sure he could do it. And of course, he has come good and been very good. And it's always felt with India as they've scratched around with like Murali Vijay and, you know, uh, obviously recently Shubman Gill's come in before that, like Prithvi Shaw, is he going to... I think like, they've got Rohit Sharma. Like he he has to be good. Like he is, if he can hit Kugisa Rabada and previously Dale Stane and Morley Morkel from South Africa, Mitchell Stark and co in <laughs> Australia for runs in one day cricket, he can do it in test cricket. Like, he just can. He also bats in a very controlled manner in one-day cricket. Like he goes at just under 100, right? Or just over 100 strike rate. Like he bats in a very controlled style, suited to test cricket. Yeah. And even, even like good old-fashioned, like Seaball, Hitball, Chris Gale and Saywag indeed have had successful test careers. There's nothing to say that you, you can't do it. I do think if you've got that level of ability, you should be back. The, the one exception to that, I'd say, is Jason Roy, because that bloke <laughs> is pure hand-eye slogan. Uh, and so he's never going to make it in test cricket. But beyond him, I know Hales didn't get a good run, but I think Hales is good enough. If he, had, if he was our only person, if we were really low on talent or if he was from a country with feel like he was Zimbabwean or something, he could make it in test cricket. Like, he's good enough. And so I do believe in that, in that crossover. It's why I still believe in Johnny Bairstow even though I hope he never plays Test cricket for England again. Um, like, I think if you if you are good enough, you are good enough. Yeah, I, I, my counterpoint to that would be the the way that in limited overs cricket, the same logic used to be applied that if you're a good Test player, you're going to be a good limited overs player. And I don't know whether that necessarily translates because we've seen the rise of those limited overs specialists, and England have particularly done well because they've picked kind of people who are very uh, almost they divided the squads it's, I, I can't remember when it was but it felt like early 2010s it sort of there was a division between the whiteboard and red ball stuff yeah, that I mean, didn't exist before it's been happening for a while with lads like Jamie Dalrymple and Martin Hardy. Yeah. they kind of you know never play test cricket they play a bit of one day cricket I, I see your point Jamie maybe I'm saying like at that very top level top level there's yeah. players who are like Sharma is going to go the, the AB de Villiers the Josh Butlers the ones who I just have always been in the top 0.1% of talent wherever they've been. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think perhaps for those who are like good sloggers or can kind of tough it out in test cricket, like Dom Sibley's not going to score 10,000 ODI runs. I'll, you know, I'll give you £10 on that today. But he's got a 100 contract. Anyone else know this? Dom Sibley does quite well in T20 cricket and he's got a 100 contract. Really surprised me when I read this. Well, this is the... This, sorry, I, we're jumping all over the shop at the moment. But one thing on Dom Sibley is that this whole idea that he can't score, he doesn't have any shots, isn't true. Because he does score at like 110 strike rate, 120 strike rate in the T20 blast. Like he, he has hit 80 or 40. You know, he can do it. But he chooses to play a very, very limited game, possibly too limited, in Red Bull cricket. Yeah. Is there anyone else from the just going back to standouts, anyone else who stood out to you? in the series, Jamin, on the India team. Obviously, Ashwin got named man of the series, which I think actually robbed Axar Patel slightly, I would say. But um, <laughs> obviously, he had a good series. Ashwin always has a good series, an absolute gun. But anyone else for you? I, I thought Any it was a great... 
disappointments Rahane and Kohli obviously just didn't really get any runs at all and Pajaro as well um, actually Pajaro yeah. leeches Bunny despite having never gone out to a left arm or spinner <laughs> bizarrely yeah I mean oh, yeah, I don't know what happened with those those three are historically or in recent years been the ones that are scoring runs and yeah I, I think in terms of standouts there didn't seem to be any more it was more contributions from different parts of the team like Siraj coming in and doing well Washington mm-hmm. Sunda coming in and just adding an extra dimension to the team that yeah just making valuable contributions he's a lovely batter like surely his future is in batting he, he's an opening batsman for his state uh open the batting for india under 19s right um, so he's not going to be a spinner he's going to be a no. batter he's going to be a batter who bowls a little bit yes yeah i think that's where you'll end up yeah yeah batted beautifully i do just want to talk about standout performers like for me it really was axel patel you know when you put out stats and you say you average 10 in that test series? Well, that's a farce. But like, no, I think that actually reflected how well he bowled. And how much he had the England batsmen all over the shop. Nobody once worked out how to play him. He had, he had phenomenal control in a way that, you know, we have, there's this whole thing, oh, he'll, he'll be good in, someone will be good in, like, India, good in home conditions. Chris Wokes, you know, he takes fighters at Lords. I'm sure that will be slightly the case for Axel Patel. You know, I'd like to see him do it on a green seamer at Chesterler Street in the same way. But at the same time, there was an aspect of the level of his control and subtle variations that were as good as spin bowling as, you know, I, I can personally remember seeing across any of the, you know, merely worn the lot. I'm not saying he's as good as them, but how he bowled in that series, he was, it was borderline perfect. He likes a pink ball. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's clear. I think he's developed his game. So in in Indian first class cricket, I think he only he averages mid twenties with the ball. So it hasn't stood out in that as particularly good. So I think it was partly England not just being able to play him that made him seem obviously oh average ten. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I don't personally hold the view that he'll continue like this i think oh, that was no. oh not obviously but i don't think he'll he'll end up being sort of a a, a stalwart in the indian team i think he's he's at some point going to get rotated out just because there are other people and he doesn't particularly stand out to me as an ashwin type no it's, it's not like guys a long time ago shows i spent too much time talking about cricket with my dad but bob massey turned up at lords in the mid-70s and took like, I don't know, 13 or 14 wickets in the test and won Australia the game. It was known as Massey's test. And then he kind of phased it into obscurity. Um, but there's no denying that how he bowled, you kind of watch old, I mean, I was stuck in front of, here's a VHS of the 1973 Ashes test or whatever and watched it. But there's no denying how he bowled was, was just fantastic. And I think Axel Patel's similar. You know, I'm sure he doesn't bowl quite as wonderfully as he did in this series and I'm sure he comes across batsmen who are slightly better equipped to play it and as he goes through his longer career people will spot weaknesses and actually he yeah. doesn't really spin it that much and here's how you kind of disrupt his rhythm it, it, England never did England didn't get a game plan against him and I think that's also partly because they weren't ready for him he came in he tore him apart in that second test they have massive psychological scars and then there was so little time between the tests then there was no time to get a game plan and I was reading, I was listening to a good podcast today, actually, of our previous guest, Dan Norcross, and they, he does one with Stephen Finn. Um, it's really good. And, and Finn was talking about it. And Finn was saying, any batsman who's trying to change their game mid-series is already starting on the back foot. 
like you're already in a bit of chaos and you're likely not going to be able to overcome the bowlers, the challenges the bowlers facing to you by doing work between tests in three days. And that's why you see bowlers get such a, get the wood on batsmen so much, the way Leach did with Pajara, Axel Patel did with the entire team, Broad did to Warner last summer, two summers ago, but it was interesting hearing about it. I, I think there's a difference here though. So with the Warner Broad thing, he's just getting out different ways every time. So he was, I don't think he was changing anything, particularly if, if I remember right. No, I think he, with- he caught quite a lot, just getting that LBW brought back into him. Okay. Keep getting him over and over again. So, yeah. Okay. So maybe that's it. I, I just think when I was watching the England players, it didn't seem necessarily a technical flaw, but a flaw in the way they the strategy they had to play the spinners. I'm not saying I know what the right answer is, but that's something you can change. I think mid series, as opposed to your complete your technique. I think the mental stuff was really affecting them, though. It just there was clear like chaos in the heads. Like watching Ollie Pope bat was painful. But he always looks so like that, I think, doesn't he? Does Ollie Pope not always look very sort of fidgety and jumpy when he's back? Normally hits the ball a bit more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did look scratchy. There, there is something I enjoy about sorry, all of us musing. I mean, I don't know what our combined average in but, <laughs> but it's not it's not high. I'm actually better at playing spin than pace. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, wonderful. Uh, but I've I've been on the end of being bowled out for. 60 against Derby twos in a rain-affected game against Chesney Hughes's cousin. So, in the grand scheme of things, I, like in one sense, I, we are all entitled to have an opinion. But it is funny when you think, like, right, how would I actually do against Axel Patel? The funniest thing is, confident. I'm I'm working quite hard and trying to get two of the England team to come on this via connections to them. And I'm just, if we get them on, Rob, and just say, right, come on, then, what was it? What happened? Like. Why didn't you turn up? Because if it was us, we'd have got on the front foot, Ollie. Like, yeah. like. I, well, I'd, I'd love to know because there is there's an aspect of which when you're removed from it, you can see things better. But there's another aspect of it where I've got, you know, I'm, I'm so hopeless at batting anyway. You know, how, how can I even begin to discuss? There was a helpful thing. I think Dan Lawrence's dad is a good, very good club cricketer. He says he never tells his son what to do ever. He's a professional cricketer. He gets paid for it. I was a job in club cricketer. You know, I'll let him and his batting coaches decide the best way to play. You've, you've uh, mentioned it now, Rob, in terms of let's quickly talk about the few England highlights. Dan Lawrence is 50 in the final test, batting in a position much nearer to what he's batted in for his county. Like, putting him in at three in such a tough test series was, was merciless. Like, he was obviously never going to do well there. But he did look our best bat in the final test, and he was, he was hitting it a bit. He was playing aggressive, but... I was pleased to see him do well. Um, so he was a bit of a standout for me. And I think as well, obviously, Root, I think Root actually ended up as top run scorer for the series, hilariously. Yeah. Um, from that one from that <laughs> innings. Um, but it then struggled and it felt like it was too much on him. But for me, the big standout England-wise was Jack Leach, hopefully cementing himself as our spin bowler and can hopefully keep getting better and better. Yeah, he, he, he looked good and he looked... The team had confidence in him. I was a sense Root was really happy giving him the ball. Very different story with Best, but very comfortable saying, you know, go on, you bowl. Uh, the whole, it it felt, yeah, as that series went on, he, he really was our main man. In a way, we haven't really felt that way with a spinner for a little while. Although Moeen would bowl a lot of overs, it wasn't maybe in the same way that we thought, like, yeah, this is our spinner. He, so, he, he recovered from the pant mauling pretty impressively because Leach has had a tough year and he's get, he gets talked about a lot, so we don't need to cover it here, but he's had, for a lot of reasons, a pretty tough year leading up to that. Finally gets his chance, does okay in Sri Lanka, and then pant just 
savages him. But he came back well for the rest of the series. Well, he, so he, he came back well in that first test, which I think was really important because it was like almost forgotten about. England won the test, Jack Leach bowled well in the second innings. Oh, yeah, he got hit for a load in the first innings briefly. Who cares? He's going at 10. Yeah, but I, I think it was helpful for him to come back so quickly. There wasn't, there's often this thing where someone starts to struggle and then the, na- the narrative builds, oh, you know, when actually if you can nip something in the bud really quickly. Well, Don Beth struggles and gets pulled out for two tests. And obviously he's going to be psychologically broken by the time he comes back and he looked at it. If it, it you know, this is alternative history, right? And probably not true given how badly he did bowl. But if he had played in that second test, Got a bit of traction with that pink ball, taken a few wickets. That's funny. The fact he was bowling full tosses. Um, sorry, the pink ball was third test, but even the second test with a turning wicket, you know, he takes some wickets. Suddenly, the fact he's bowling full tosses in the first test gets forgotten about, and it's one of those lost narratives. But the moment he gets dropped, it becomes a story. He then gets dropped for on the world's biggest turning track in history with a pink ball. So then he comes back on a flatter deck and struggles. It just builds and builds and builds. And so I do think there is, well, at least for Leach's sake, the fact he had had an opportunity to respond so quickly and responded so well to his credit meant that the pant thumping was almost irrelevant within 48 hours. And India really targeted best, didn't they? When he came back for that fourth test. They were after him and it worked. I, I think that I, I watched him in Sri Lanka and I watched him in these tests. I just don't think he is particularly good. He's just the second best, at the moment, the second best spinner in England and they're on a tour of Asia, so he had to go. He's probably um, third as well, isn't he? He's behind Moeen. Yeah, yeah, no, um, exactly. And he's actually the, the best spinner in England, Zadu Rashid, just to hit uh, <laughs> the sixth official position on that, Zadu Rashid. I mean, it's too gammy for him to play tests. Yeah, it's... That's one of those ones, yeah. I, I feel like a cabinet minister whenever Adil Rashid comes up. I'm like, yes, yes. Whatever Boris says is right. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... What's funny is, if Adil Rashid had played in this series, he'd have bowled a four ball every single over and he would release pressure every single over. But I will still go to my grave saying Adil Rashid is our number one test spinner. Well, I mean, there's a, there's, I mean, a controversial point which I raised to a friend that got heckles up. But an argument can be made, possibly not Swan, but he's England's best spinner in, in a format, so him in limited overs format, since Derek Underwoods, in terms of his performances in limited overs, is that good that we haven't had a better spinner for 30 years, apart from possibly Swan. So in one sense, he, he is like an England great, but not... Do you want to find bizarre? He doesn't get franchises. Like, I don't know why no one from the IPL is interested in him. Is it because he doesn't offer that much of the bat? Like, in terms of big hitting? I don't really get it. Does he put himself forward? I don't actually know. Yeah, he does, and he doesn't get picked up. I, I I think quite possibly the reason would be that if you own a franchise and you've got a decent homegrown spinner, you're looking for, particularly with IPL, PSL, you're looking for what are we lacking? Fast bowling, big hitting batting. So the X Factor. Yeah, and an X Factor name, like as much as we like Adel Rashid, he's not a... Yeah, he's not, not Ben Stokes. He's not, let's sell shirts, let's get like big media stuff behind my team. So I think that's probably it, more than like a pure technical cricket thing. Before we go on to the limited over stuff, just very quickly, because we've had a few debates about this in our group chats. Should we quickly talk about the pitches? <laughs> uh, Jamin, I'm interested to hear your, hear your perspective. Um, so I think the, the, the second and third pitches are the, the contentious ones. S- second, second pitch I thought was absolutely fine. It, was it turned a lot but it was consistent and I don't think it offered too much third pitch diabolical that that shouldn't be happening yeah and it's 
It was a piss take. The second pitch was ridiculous. It, it was a home advantage thing, right? And you, as much as we home advantage is a thing, and I don't think it was it played badly, and it was clearly the case that they made a decision that we're going to have a spinning track. And whether that whether that's right or wrong is a different debate to whether that's a decent enough test pitch. And I think it was a decent enough test pitch. I've probably changed my mind on the second. The third pitch is stupid. Yeah. And but the second pitch I've probably changed my mind on because I was in that group chat giving it my large, giving it large about how <laughs> bad a pitch it was. If this Axel Patel blow, who I've never heard of, so we can't be any good turning it, how can it be a good pitch? Like obviously, you know, idiot me. But I think Jonathan Liu for me summed up really well when he came on the pod, Rob, when he just said the outrage of it. An Indian groundsman preparing an Indian pitch that turns the outrage. Like, actually, I think it did turn a lot, but I don't think that necessarily makes it a bad pitch. The third pitch, if every score is 100 odd, that's a that's a bad pitch. For me. I, I take the point with the third pitch with the, the pink ball having as much impact, which I think may have, you know, if it had been a red ball, would it have been quite so difficult to bat on? Perhaps not. But like the, the way Root just ran through India's lower middle order five for eight yeah and like pants ashwin like these blokes can bat it's called hundreds in the test series and root is this it's interesting though isn't it like general consensus you're an indian fan jamin like third pitch is bad but is that because both teams batted badly on it is that all it takes to make it a bad pitch compared to the second test that's like because that for me is a big difference between the two and then the consensus more was the third pitch was bad I think watching it, you could just see it wasn't a good pitch. Uh, leaving the result or the score, the scores aside, it wasn't consistent. There were balls exploding. It was, it, I think, just you can't really take necessarily the scores as the as the gospel on it. You need to think about, like, watch the game and see what you think of it. It wasn't an even contest between bat and ball. That's the thing. Right. Right? It's contest. You're looking for that contest between bat and ball. So when you look at Australia get bowled out to sixty at Trembridge. I was there. There was some bad batting from Australia. It was very difficult to bat on, but it was only an hour where it was really difficult. And Australia played some very loose shots. Michael Clark with a big flashing drive. You think Australia probably could have gritted out to four down, which isn't an even contest. But the rest of the day, it became very easy to bat on. What did England end up on at that end of that first day? It was a decent score. Yeah, big score. Really scored 100 on that first day. So there, there was a sense with this where, like, throughout, with the, the exception of when Seamers were bowling, so when we go Rohit Ro, Sharma scored 80, it was like, well, he's mainly playing against the Seamers. Zach Crawley did all right. Well, most of his runs were against the Seamers. When it was spin versus the batsman, no one looked like they were going to get above 20. And I don't think anyone did. And, and that's where you get that sense. Of, I, I had the days off work. I watched every single ball of that test, famously apart from... Crawley and Bearstones because they I went I was yeah I get a message from Rob what's happened <laughs> yeah, like, how are we not for two <laughs> um, but like it they just it was as you watch every single ball you're like this is this is so hard but like, this isn't just like England players or Indian players being incompetent I, I honestly think Virat Kohli Rahane Pujara up against Axar and Ashwin on this pitch let's ship in Ponting and Tendulkar and Donald Bradman in their prime against Axar and Ashwin on this pitch. They are struggling. No one's scoring 100. That's a guarantee. And, and that's, that's problematic. I think Bairstow maybe was being incompetent. Maybe not. Maybe that's not fair, but 
Bairstow, honestly, like every ball is either an LBW appeal that's overturned or a wicket or a flick to leg slip. Like, yeah. six, oh, despair. Six, six ducks in nine tests against India. I'll spin last nine innings. Six ducks, ducks in his last nine innings. I'll spin specialist for number three. So, it's a real shame. Anyway, Bairstow, he's going to smash the limited overs. Let's talk about the limited overs. So, <laughs> who's going who's gonna to win? Let's, let's, let's talk about the T20 because they're starting tomorrow. Um, would it be fair to say, like, two of the favourites for the T20 World Cup? I think West Indies, actually. If I had to put a bet on, I'd probably put a bet on West Indies because I just think they've got so much talent in their team, they turn up for the tournament. But, I mean, with the World T20, I was kind of saying, it's a six, you know, six teams in it, so oh, it's only between six teams. But that's basically half the teams um, with any chance of winning it. But for me, Pakistan, New Zealand, West Indies as, like, three possible winners with talent in their squads, and England, India, and Australia is, like, your, your three front runners. That's how uh, it play out. On the Australia, did they, I think New Zealand just in, in New Zealand beat Australia, right? So, with Australia, I don't know whether it's, uh, they were favourites the last tournament because of Australia, and that sort of just carried over to this. I don't know whether they are that strong. I do think India and England are I I don't really rate Australia's T20 lineup that much. I think Zampa's a good player, and obviously Warner is a good player, and so is Finch when he's in form. Steve Smith, I think, is a really bang-av T20 player, and I don't understand how he keeps getting IPL contracts. I don't think Australia would be in that top three for me. I think he's in, you're right, Jamie, and I'd put them above him. But, I mean, they're they're the six, so I can see. Yes. I'd be very surprised if Sri Lanka turned up and won it, or Bangladesh, or... No, it's definitely the closest format in terms of the gap between the best and worst in in the sort of top six, if, if, if that's all right. Yeah, I, I I think for me, I mean, I'm I'm expecting them to win the series. I think we're looking good. I'm hungry. Um, yeah, I just back us. I back us basically whenever it's limited overs. I I back us to win. It kind of is slightly simplistic. Like we normally win, so I think we're going to win. But I think we've got so many match winners. Like, that's the thing with the 20 over game. You need one bloke to have eight good overs and that's the game. And we've got so many different players. And granted, India do Cody, Sharma, et cetera, Darwin, you know, whatever. But England do have so many great match winning players that I I, I think we're going to win it. Genuine question. Is Axel Patel going to play? Like, no, he's not. Is that the... I don't know. I haven't really thought about who would... Who, who would play? Uh, I, they usually still just go with two spinners in there, I think. Well, because if I was so, in there, I'd be packing the team of spinners because I really do think Jason Roy is going to struggle. He always struggles against spin. And that is my worry for why England might not win this because I'm worried that the bats who are playing in the Test Series have got this, are, are just going to be terrified as they watch the India spinners come in. Like I'm worried Stokes and Best are going to have that hanging over them. Roy will always looks pretty crap against spin, um, especially in subcontinent, uh, especially when it's first up. When he's got his iron against the pace first, he looks better. But when they open up with spinners, he looks pretty poor. I could just see a bit of a surprise coming with the England batting lineup getting caught a bit cold, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, just on that question, so Axel Patel is in the, the squad. It's quite a big squad. I'm, I'm... I mean, he offers stuff with his, his batting as well, so... I can see why he might get picked just because he can he can do that ahead of a call that you had of, for example. But. I'm not feeling super confident. I think it could be a really good series. I'm not confident India are going to win either, but I'm not quite as quite confident as you are. What about, what about you, Jamie? What do you think? I, I think flip a coin for who wins. It's not. I, I don't think it's clear at all. 
it's whoever has a player that performs in one of the games, like you said, Rob, it's it's a few overs from one of the big big names, and that game can get taken away. I, I yeah, I genuinely don't have an idea or a guess as to who would win. Boomer was missing the whole thing, right? Boomer was injured. Was he rested? Rested? He was getting married, I think. So, so I think, he. I think Boomer was missing the series, and Archer has an elbow issue. So it could be that both sides premium fast bowlers are out, which is interesting. Um, but I feel with England, you still got Mark Woods, you still got Sam Curran, you still got Chris Jordan. Chris Wokes play T twenties. He does, right? Yeah, I don't know if he's in the squad. I'm just looking at the England squad now. If we're talking about rotation, Chris Wokes has had the worst winter ever. Chris Wokes dragged from hotel to hotel, Sri Lanka to India, doesn't get a minute on the pitch, and then sent home. Like, honestly, poor guy. I, I think if I was an England cricketer, I just I'd take some really ambitious reading. Like all of Anthony Trollope's novels, as I I'd never read this in normal life, but if I'm gonna spend no time at all but in a hotel with a bunch of other professional cricketers. I'm having some Victorian England escapism and I'm going to read 500-page Anthony Trollope novels to get through. So at least you'd get to the end of the winter and think, I've done something worthwhile. No, but Rob, they've got a KD of below one. So on Call of Duty, <laughs> so they've, they've achieved something, you know. Of below one? That's not that's not great. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm not very good. So, oh, wait, no, I, what should I, KDs be? They should be higher, right? Higher than one, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't even know what that means. I only ever played FIFA... Tiger Woods, PGA Tour, Brian Lara Cricket and Rugby 08. Those are the only four games I've ever played. Oh, and Sims occasionally. But those are the do, I, do what I did do while watching the final test and was so sad at how bad England were playing. I started an England career and counter championship because I was just, I was like, right, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to make us good. And obviously I do a sheet to my spinner. Um, Bearsley's nowhere near the team. But it's been quite fun. It's, it's good. It's funny the alternative universes that, uh, these kind of computer games throw up. I've got Steve Smith scoring many a run for Northamptonshire in County Championship 2024. Uh, and I never forget a mate and football manager. He's called Ed Cashman. And he was Aston Villa manager for 60 years, winning 35 European Cups, 40 Premier Leagues. And he got a memo as he aged like about 90. And he said, they've, Aston Villa have completed their new stadium and they're naming it the Edward Cashman Stadium. Um, that was built in somewhere into the game's algorithm that if you're there long enough at a club and win enough, they'll name their new 70,000-seater stadium after you. I can't get... You love football manager, don't you, Jamie? And I can't keep playing when it's more regens than real. I can't keep going at that point. I, I stop at that point as well. It's yeah, it, When it loses touch with reality, that's when I'm... Yeah, I just don't see the like, I don't know about you guys, but one day I feel a bit old hat to me at the moment. Like, I'm just a bit like, I'm all about the current, I'm all about what's the next tournament and I'm just not really quite as fast excited about the one days, but the T20s I'm really buzzing for. So how many tests, how many games are there, Rob? Have you got the fixtures up? Yeah, so we've got, basically it's five T20 games. I believe, I don't have the ODIs in front of me, I think it's just three ODIs after that. Um, oh, but, it, but it goes well, back well, to what Dan Norcross was saying in the last pod episode is you literally need to get the calendar out and work out how many games there are. It's not obvious that it's going to be three ODIs, three T20s or whatever. But yeah, it's the five ODIs coming up over the next week or so. That's the five thing. T20s. Sorry, five T20s coming up over the next week or so. That's All in the same place as well, I think, which is going to be interesting to see whether any pattern develops. It's the... Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all in our medibad. So yeah. I wonder if the groundsman will throw up another 
<laughs> test special. Genuine question, do you think they'll produce a pitch that absolutely lacks? Like, will that be in India's interest in limited in T20s? I don't think so, because then it, 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 if you're trying to score quickly, anything could happen. You, you could be skittled and the other team just have a couple of overs and win it. It's not the same as a test where you can sort, sort try and stick it out and gain an advantage by being better. Yeah, I, I think they'll all be pretty flat. What what is interesting actually, which I was, I was going to ask about this. Um, I'm not sure if Joe Root's in this T20 squad, but Morgan was getting asked about Hales. Obviously, Hales seems like he might be coming in from the cold a little bit. But Morgan was basically talking up everyone but Hales and talking about the World Cup squad. And he was talking about Root because he was saying, you know, if, if it's if the World T20s plays in India and there's going to be lower scoring pitches than we're used to, Joe Root massively comes into play. And I do think that's interesting actually. Like having the idea, suddenly you have a number three, he's just going to score at a strike rate of just over 100, but he's going to be consistent and bat through, suddenly sounds quite appealing. And I've always... And Joe Root's never done anything wrong for England T20s, has he? Like, in that 2016 World Cup, that innings against South Africa was incredible. But he can't play everything. But I like the idea of maybe him coming in for one tournament. What do you guys think? Yeah, big fan. Big fan. I mean, I'm not a fan of the let's put Hales out in the cold because the captain doesn't like him and so therefore not going to play him again. I, you know... I like, I think Hales warrants a return. He, okay, I mean, he's more than serves his punishment. Watching James Vince with a World Cup winner's medal around his neck, well, he doesn't have one, it's galling enough. But I, he's, he's been excellent in the Pakistan Super League. He's a very good seasoned international performer. And I think just to leave him out because of a clash of personalities, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't do that in my own workplace. So I feel for like, you know, they're older than me. They're in their 30s now. I just think you've got to be mature and adult about it and say, like, I might not like him, but I'm going to play with him. So I'd like him <laughs> to come back in. But in terms of your point about Root as a 2020 player, I'm big, I mean, he's, he's, just, he's going back to my point about that 0.01% of international players. You can do it in every format. Root is that. He's quality. So very comfortable with him back in the squad and playing. On the Hales thing, the queue is huge, isn't it? But... He and there's some people who he, I don't think he just jumps off and has to get ahead of, like a Johnny Bairstow's, maybe a Joe Roos, but probably Joe Roo. But someone like Tom Banton, he's clearly got a lot of potential, but hasn't quite delivered an England shirt yet. He's still very young. Alex Hales for me leaps frogs way, jumps straight over him. So what's our predictions then for the uh, to, for the for the five match T20 series? I'm going to say three to England, four one England. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to say three to England here. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable! Look at that. Couldn't believe that. I was expecting five nil India from the wild, <laughs> but um, and we should say to Jamie's credit, you know, he could have he could have rubbed our faces in it. You know, he, he promised to before the test series, and India have predictably crushed us. And you know, you've been a very good winner. Maybe not so much on the Facebook group chats, but yeah, fair, well, still fairly good there. Still fairly good there. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he's he's sitting here. Those listening don't have the the pleasure of audio in his in his Liverpool shirt, having seen them. Lose to, I, mean, I mean, he's lost to some terrible teams at home. Brighton, Burnley. Through to the next round of the Champions League. Though. That's oh, all mate. that matters now. Yeah, well, say <laughs> what. Thomas Tuchel's Thomas boys did a job on you. So, um, <laughs> I, I feel you can only be so smug when you're wearing, when you're wearing a Liverpool shirt. <laughs> what, you mean the current Premier League holders and Champions League winners of a year? Yeah, it's tough being a Liverpool fan. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> and, and particularly being a Liverpool fan from suburban North London. <laughs> he, 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 he lives and breathes Scouser, doesn't he? He's, just, he's the fifth Beatle, is our shaman, isn't he? 
thank you, Jamin, for joining us. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in person, both of you, soon at cricket. Yeah. Dreaming and getting a membership to every county in the country so we can go to any game every day. <laughs> they should do that. They should do that. I have an all 18 county pass. Yeah. And you can get anywhere, any day, any cricket. Sell it with your uh, train, your rail card and you got it sorted, haven't you? Oh, perfect. Yeah, 16 to 25 county cricket pass. Yeah, exactly. Sign me up. I've also fully signed up to the 100. You know, I've chucked all my worries to the wind. I've bought tickets for all of the Oval Invincibles, London Spirit. I'm going for it. I'm going to chuck myself into it and I can't wait to watch that countdown of 100 balls. I also think the Invincibles are going to do terribly and I'm going to enjoy that because I think their squad's bang out. So let's see how that goes. Wonderful stuff. Well, um, on that note, it's been great. Jamin, thanks for, for joining us. Michael, good to see you. You're looking well. Yeah, all the best and, and see you both soon. Lockdown, not, not long left. A month or so, then the pubs are open and we're, we're inching back to normality.